0: Hi, I'm Kalena Tano, and I'm Jane Frischia, and this is On the Other Foot, a no-holds-barred look at the world of dance.
1: Each week, we bring you a podcast on nutrition, lifestyle, and mental health for regular people who happen to dance.
0: Every Tuesday, we're going to take on a topic in the dance world that isn't spoken about enough and approach it honestly for our listeners.
1: Isn't that nice of us? Hello, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to another week, another episode of On the Other Foot. Today, we will once again be talking to Claudia Suarez, professional dancer and fellow podcaster. In case you missed it, last week we talked to Claudia all about her childhood in Venezuela, her international ballet training, um, her time as a professional dancer, uh, what she's doing with her schooling, and just really her incredible life. So we're very excited to continue that. Uh, Today, we are going to talk to her about her podcast, Beyond the Core, and her experience as a professional writer. So Claudia, thanks for being here again for another interview. Um, To start us off, it says on your website, which is beyondthecore.com, that you started your podcast and blog as a sort of non-traditional version of like Point magazine type publications. Can you elaborate on this a little bit and tell us your inspiration behind uh, starting Beyond the Core?
2: Of course. Um, So I actually started writing because I got Elisa Gaynor Minden's book, which is called The Valley Companion. And I did want to, I was fascinated by the the way that you could create a website. You could have your own .com kind of thing. So I started digging into that. And then I said, you know what? I'm just going to share, of course, giving full credit to Elisa Gaynor Minden. Uh, I was the, the book was in English and I was still in Venezuela. So what I did was grab it, translate it, and quote Elisa Gaynor Minden and then write my, my opinion on it. And I started to share it with my friends and they loved it. They wanted to know more and everything. So the blog, then I, when I moved to the U.S. and actually like in the last episode I was explaining that I did get interested in journalism. I wanted to... I love i love point and dance magazine it's so interesting how you can be entertained with other dancers lives and what they have in their bags and all this stuff it's like a written youtube thing which i really love so uh, of course you get a lot of professional advice uh, you get everything but what i really wanted to do with beyond the core which I actually changed the name so many times. I First was like Ballet or Passion, which was my first blog. Then I, uh, I wanted to actually focus on myself, and I called it Claudia's Journal. And then it didn't have any ballet names at all in it. So what I did was in 2018, I said, I want to do a podcast because I love podcasts. And I started driving two years ago or three years ago. And instead of music, I used to put a lot of podcasts, and I still do. And I just love listening to everything. So, of course, I know about uh, the the biggest dance podcasts, but they were mostly interview based. Like, oh, so when did you start dancing? Da, da, da. So I love that because I love how to like to get into the professional the professionals' life lives. But I did want to actually be a voice of Retelling the history of Bade, which, like in, like I said in the last episode, I'm very fascinated by. I really wanted to tell the the why. Why do we do this? Uh, how do you say pantomime? For, just to say you're she's gonna die or let's dance. Why? Like why do we have the pantomime? Why is Bade perform without words, Why how did Petipa and Tchaikovsky get together and stuff, so my goal actually with Beyond the Core is not only do interviews, so of course follow the traditional path of where did you come from, why why do you do what you do, but also to get more into those details, so right now it has I think 12 episodes and they all talk about diversity, the difference between ballet and modern, Uh, the businesses dancers have created, uh, what else, Uh, health and nutrition. So I'm just getting started a little bit here and there with these topics. And I said I'm being different from Dance and Point magazine because I do want to get into the why of the stuff. So I I want to go beyond, and this is why I call it Beyond the Core. Because the core of the ballet is what you see in the back of... A theater or like a stage, sorry. I wanted to go beyond that. Like, what happens backstage? What happens on all this stuff? So, and, and get into the why. So, that's why I say I, I want to be different and not do another dance magazine that is already out there. So, and I love, of course, those are huge inspirations for uh, how I design my website and stuff. But really, I, I do want to get started. By saying that, that I want to actually get into the why of the things, and yeah, my goal is to actually create like a history ballet history course, a repertoire. Why is it important to like study what Kitri is doing at the moment of her entrance, or why does Nikiya dance in front of the fire? Like, who is she? You know, so that those kind of stuff I do want to to dig into, and that's my goal. Yeah, I think yeah, that's so that's really cool. It's really unique. Yeah. Yeah. I love
0: the I love the connection too with what we talked about last episode, how you are really interested in studying art history as it relates to ballet and really being becoming like an expert basically on ballet history and the way that you're able to kind of weave that into your like work podcasting and blogging and the way that you're able to take a new spin on things because that's kind of what we wanted to do too when we sat down we we kind of were the same thing we were like well let's look at the biggest dance podcasts and see what they're doing and they were all interview based we saw the same thing so we were thinking well we're just like two 20-year-old children like what can we do here to get a niche like I mean I'm not like
1: sitting in a lemonade in a mall (laughs) (laughs)
0: yeah like we're not like James Whiteside able to like call up Wendy Whalen and be like hi do you want to do an interview with me and she's like sure you're my best friend like that's not something that we can do so we were thinking of like a niche to come from and so for us it was about like talking about things I mean, I think the name development is really interesting because we were thinking to ourselves, like, okay, well, we want to talk about things that go on in the dance world. Like, this is what a this is what a dancer does or this is what this dancer does. And then we want to be able to take a spin on that and talk about, like, a topic and have a discussion more than an interview. And that's kind of how On the Other Foot got born, too, is, I mean, honestly, we were sitting there and Jane all of a sudden went, oh, well, we're On the Other Foot. And I was like, yes, that's good. We are doing that one. But the kind of bigger thought behind it is just like kind of taking like this part of the dance world and kind of flipping it over and like kind of like picking up the rock and looking at all the bugs underneath and trying to figure out what's going on so i think the like name process is very interesting
2: oh sorry no i i was saying i was gonna say that um it's imagine all the ballets are done like a part of the let's mm-hmm. say are done to the right yeah take that to the other side <laughs> you know that's what yeah. I, I'm i imagining here yeah <laughs> and I love it uh, actually yeah. I, I do mm-hmm.
0: yeah I love the dance history ballet dance history ballet dance history podcast and like the style of like breaking everything down and maybe like interviewing people and getting their perspectives on things like i think that that's so cool and i think it's really interesting how a lot of people talk about how the dance community is kind of small and we're not like a big industry i mean we are we have a there's a lot of people in the world that do ballet but we're not a big industry like i don't know like big corporations and things like that yeah like football yeah hollywood anything like we're a much smaller community and there's you would think that maybe if such a small community, there's only so much we can talk about, but like every creator that we've talked to, like Jordan has a different, on her, on um, uh, ballet to business, sorry, (laughs) on ballet to business, like she talks about dancers doing their own businesses and there's so many different like little things that you can pick out in ballet and like expand upon and talk about for hours and hours and hours on end. And I just think that's so cool. Mm-hmm. I no, also I love, I it.
1: love the uniqueness of your idea of delving into dance history because why we, excuse me we were talking about last episode how when you were out of high school you're like I don't want to get my education in dance I want to go straight into a company but an education in dance like offers things like dance history um and I feel like dancers there isn't enough emphasis placed on giving a a well-rounded dance education to dancers before college. Like you may get some dance history here or there, but you get it from what your teacher knows, like, or you get it from a, a two hour course at one day during a six week summer intensive that you're probably sleeping through because you're exhausted. Like even though ballet relies so heavily on things being like historically things being passed down through written and oral tradition we don't in modern day keep up that practice of really passing down dance history to students who don't go to higher education so to make a at least here in America we don't um so to make a resource that could be potentially accessible to dancers who want to know more about dance history as a way of carrying on the tradition of classical ballet without going to higher education right away or at all, I think is very unique and very special and absolutely needed.
2: No, that, you know, that's why. The thing is, I, I was really fascinated when I was kind of 12, 13. Uh, I was given the opportunity to perform in a competition in Venezuela, like the first ever competition. And my teacher, like I, like I said before, uh, the, the one that my first ever teacher who brought me to Cuba and all this? I learned a lot with her in terms of ballet history, and she actually uh, suggested for me to perform a variation from the Grand Pas de Catre, which is like no one knows. Yeah, what, I've done what? Yeah, but yeah, I haven't <laughs> seen anybody else do it. <laughs> I my dream is to to dance the whole thing as Lucille Graham because she's like my favorite one, but uh, yeah. <laughs> I was thrown in literally five minutes before the show, but I did get to do that one. And did you do the 3200 Chakats at the end? Yeah. Did it kill you? (laughs) Yes, I did do the 3200 Chakats at the end, and then I decided that
0: it would be a good idea because I was a freshman in high school and didn't know any other variations. I thought it would be a good idea to do for my exam variation for the advanced one Chaketi exam, and I... my. His exam partner told me that while we were doing reverence immediately after we had to do our solos my face actually like turned purple and I was like so I've never been more out of breath in my entire life than that moment
2: <laughs> yeah no it's uh well <laughs> I love that variation so much because I love, so race, yeah. I love uh, beating and beats and artichic and truss and recess and all that family but um I got into the story of what happened and why the Cat was like actually a big thing in the 1840, 1845, if I'm not mistaken. Just taking four major ballerinas and putting them into the same ballet, and the solos are actually, you know, showing their best abilities. It's, it's so interesting. So that's how I got into the performance aspect of ballet. Like, why are you, why, if you're a Kitri, why why are you doing what you do? And if you are Gamsari, why are you so like jealous, evil, you know all this? And actually two years ago I was given the opportunity to perform because I was injured. I was gonna be the Lilac Fairy in Tampa with a with the school of the Tampa City Valley. I was injured and the one of the teachers came into I was I was working with in the computer and he said, We need a carabas. And I'm like, don't look at me. I'm not evil at all, but I had to do it. And, you know, just the fact of studying a ballet, uh, studying the mime, so important. And Carabas is all about mime. Um, so, so fun. Such a fun role to perform, but, you know, studying that aspect of ballet, for me, is the most interesting thing. So this is why I want to share this information, because for me... Uh, Actually, I I helped a little bit the girl who was performing Aurora and the girl who was performing Lilac Fairy because I said, you guys, first, you're the princess of the princesses. You need to be so elegant, no harsh movements or anything. And the Lilac Fairy, you actually need to, if you're speaking to me, Caraboz, you need to look into my eyes and actually, you know, just be, don't be serious. Smile a little bit more. And all those little details I do want to share to anyone because it's not only for the dancers I need to know why you do this, this certain mime or this certain movement uh, but also for the audience like I want for people to get a proper understanding of what we're saying when we dance. My uncle in my early days I did a Cinderella ballet before in my when I was like 11 and he thought that when the fairy godmother was doing the mime of dance, which is, you know, raising our arms above our heads and doing, you know, turning our hands, he actually thought, oh, she told Cinderella that she was going to make the dress with magic. And I'm like, you are so wrong with that, you know? So he thought that that thing was magic with the hands instead of dance. So I do want to educate people. This is my... My main thing is education for not only dancers but whoever is in the audience and watching a bye and understand everything that is going on for a, for three hours, you know, so in like three hours. Who's gonna take that? Yeah, if you don't understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think that's really interesting.
0: I definitely like I teach um, like summer dance camps every year, and every year I teach them the dance mime, and I'm always thinking to myself like, what do people? think like in ballets that really rely on mime like it doesn't make any real sense it doesn't like correlate with american sign language or anything like that like it doesn't it's not anything that you're gonna see in any other like mime i mean not asl is not mime but like any other like hand gesture nonverbal based language it's kind of crazy so you also write for the wonderful world of dance which is a uk dance uk-based dance publication how did you first get into dance writing and how did it lead to such an incredible opportunity for you?
2: Well, uh, Savannah, who is the founder of, uh, Savannah Sanders, he's the founder of the Wonderful World of Dance, actually reached me out by email saying, hey, I love your blog. Do you want to write for us? And then I'm like, okay, let me think about this a little bit. So I started researching on whatever she had done. And then I said, this is a, an actual, like, potential magazine that you know and it's in the UK I love the UK first of all because I live there and the Royal Valley and all this and I you know I said of course I do want to write for you but what what kind of content do you want to see from me and all this and she said, yeah, "I mean, you can write some articles here and there. So, I uh, one of my first articles was what is my routine as an apprentice because I was uh, at the time I was with Arts Polytheater Theater of Florida. So, I did kind of write about my routine. So, she wanted kind of that content from online contributors to write about uh, topics like that. But then I received an email from her saying, "Would you be interested in being like writing a review of a performance and then I'm like what you know so that opportunity just came like that through an email and and she said yeah I mean you can go to a performance represent us and write about you know being an actual critic and it's funny because my first experience as quote-unquote the critic was for ABT and I was going to New York and told Savannah, hey, I'm going to be here in New York City and ABT is performing. So what do you think? And then she said, okay, let me reach them. And then the, the, the next day she's like, okay, they agreed and they won the review and they wanted at least 24 hours. Like it, it, it has to be less than 24 hours in, on the site. Like it has to be ready because they wanted to see exactly what critics were thinking. And then she said, okay, let me write to the Met Opera and and uh, find your press tickets. And for me it was like, what? Press tickets? I'm an actual journalist without a bachelor's degree in journalism. You know what I mean? Uh, it was really interesting. I went there, picked my, they were, they were looking at me like, do you want press tickets? And I said, my name is on the list. And um, it was really, really funny. I had to like get to a certain person to get the tickets. And then I, I sat down. It was like a uh, part of their spring uh, season, which sadly was canceled this year. Uh, and it was like a mixed Tchaikovsky repertoire. So I got to see almost all the principals, uh, Misty, Gillian uh, Murphy, uh, Isabella Boisto, everyone. Because it was like a mixed thing and I was really nervous. I went to bed because the the performance ended at like 10. I went to bed at like 2 in the morning because I wanted to get it ready. Because I had to be ready in less than 24 hours for them to like validate that I'm an actual critic and stuff and actually have the opportunity to do it again. So... I really look forward to continuing with them. I haven't had the time because my time in Tampa was so uh, busy. But I did get uh, to review Sarasota Ballet, uh, the Martha Graham Dance Company. What else have I done? I don't know. I mean, it's... Savannah does her magic, like I said, hey, uh, oh, Miami City Valley too. Uh, I want to go to this show. Do you think we can get press tickets? And she's like, okay, let me write. And of course, being the wonderful World of Dance, which is now, they have now launched their printed magazines, uh, you know, gives gives me credit to actually be a press person. And I'm very grateful for that. And unfortunately, I mean, this time that I'm not uh, in a company exactly, I did have time to write Mm -hmm. but you know coronavirus and all this stuff (laughs) unfortunately well that's awesome yeah hopefully Uh, by the time
1: this airs we're done with that
2: yeah
0: hopefully
1: (laughs) but that's so fortunate I think that you've been able to see like oh my goodness I'd give my left arm to see the Martha Graham company but I do think that's really cool that the opportunity came to you like in an email like that's obviously really validating that someone sought you out um and then you were able to get so many like incredible truly like professional opportunities
2: yeah it was it I still cannot believe it every time I go as a press person because I sit down next to old people that have this you know the notepad kind of thing and they actually you know they actually write for newspapers Uh, but this has given me the opportunity to expand the journalist uh, part of what I want to do. And additionally, I have done interviews uh, here and there, and one of my most viewed articles is the one interviewing Mari Carmen Catoya, who's a Venezuelan dancer who uh, uh, danced with Miami City Ballet for 16 years, and she's one of my dearest friends. That's why the interview went so smoothly and with so much love because we actually knew each other so well she danced with me in Arts Ballet Theatre of Florida and um and then I went to this competition in Miami and interviewed the judges and this this, that was also a very good article slash interview slash report slash news uh, that I really got to develop so I'm very grateful for Savannah and what she saw on me, you know, <laughs> I yeah, still can't believe it. it's definitely
1: incredible um, to be considered like a professional in two things, both of which like you, you obviously have passion for. So I think at this point, we're going to take our mid-episode break. You're going to hear a couple things from me and Klana, and then we will be right back with the awesome Claudius Juarez.
0: Hi, Kalenna here. Before we get back into this amazing interview, I wanted to take a moment to talk about how you can support On the Other Foot. If you haven't yet, be sure to check us out on our Patreon, which is linked from our website and Instagram. Patrons receive extra VIP benefits like free merch, early access to episodes, and in-episode credit for supporting our podcast. Thank you, patrons, for your continuing support of our pod.
1: Um, Hello, everybody. We are back with Claudia Suarez, creator of Beyond the Core podcast and writer for the wonderful world of dance. Claudia, when we first started talking um, about doing this interview, we talked about how important, like, the connections you make in the dance world via podcasting are, especially um, for everyone hearing this. We're doing this during a time of social distancing for coronavirus. Um, Hopefully, if you're hearing this this summer, we're out of that, but... (laughs) we are in this period of social distancing where connections are more important than ever. So how has like having your podcast um, and just being exposed to like more people in the dance world through your dance writing changed your outlook on um, this profession that we're all making our way through?
2: Well, that's a very interesting question. I think uh, majorly the us human beings more than We are dancers. We connect with people. And actually, I see ballet as one of the fundamental art forms that have, uh, let's say, built our history. And without... Just think about a world without music, dance, operas, and paint, and sculptures and museums. It's It's so weird to imagine a world without that. So I'm very... Yeah, very. <laughs> and actually, just just think about it. Uh, being like I said, a history lover, just think about how do we know that people actually existed so many million years ago? We know because of their art, and because of the their cave paintings and all this stuff. So, art has always been there. And for me, it's an honor to actually have an internet connection. Very, you know, it's it's interesting. And very fascinating to connect with people on the other side of the world right now, especially right now. And if they're dancers and we share the same passion, why not connecting? Why not sharing our experiences? Why not sharing our struggles? Because, as artists, not only dancers, all artists uh, struggle with something. It can be money, it could be maybe your paint is not recognized, maybe your piece of music is eh, its not Mozart, you know, uh, because, you yeah. know, yeah. yeah, and that can get really depressing. But the fact of having someone that supports you and someone that shares your passion, and even people that just connecting with people that are not artists, I think, and sharing what you do, I think is very, very valuable uh, because you connect with more people and then you share Uh, Your passion, and then they share theirs with you. Even though if they're lawyers and they, or mathematicians or scientists that have no like connection to art whatsoever, I think it's just valuable to just keep uh, connecting. And I think the most valuable—I say valuable so many times, but actually, yeah, it gives value to yeah educate people in what you do and learning new things. Is part of life more than just being a dancer and that's it, you know. Even dancers, I learn something about myself every day in class and I do want to share that with other people. Uh, for example, going back to the last episode and talking about the nutrition aspect and health aspect of a dancer and body image and stuff, uh, you know, People have this stereotype of dancers that we don't eat and blah, blah, blah. And it's so satisfying to explain to someone, yes, we do eat because we're athletes. So I do love that aspect of teaching and educating people on what we do. So this is why I find important to connect. And this coronavirus situation has uh, given human beings the opportunity to even be more together. Just forget about countries, forget about if you're... Teacher, and I am, uh, I don't know, uh, other like an uh, engineer or an artist. Everyone is together in the same situation, and the internet is giving us this opportunity to connect and learn from each other. You can go into an Instagram life of, if you're not a dancer, maybe you go to an Instagram life of uh, someone who's teaching, and let's say Isabella Boysen, and you see how vigorous a dancer dancer's life is or uh switch it around maybe we can go to a scientist's uh instagram life explaining us how this virus is acting you know and stuff that we don't know but Mm -hmm. they know so i just like the interchange of information and education i don't know if i answered your question but no no. you
1: totally did and i think that you're right that it's really the passion of the person that dictates um how much like it, how would i say this if you are passionate about what you are doing it comes across as art regardless of what it is um like we we had our first like non dancer interview this season where we interviewed dance photographers um lightheart dance art here in San Diego and it was like we ended up like not being surprised but just really like grateful for how passionate they were about taking dance photography and how you could really tell like see like their passion come out in the way they spoke about what they do and how intelligent they were um and how much effort they put into their profession even if like I think they work in like software as like their day job something like that it really is the the passion that makes what you do art.
2: Yeah. Yes, yeah, I think um The photographer that I worked uh, twice with, uh, Jane Chavioni, the one who takes pictures for ABT and Marinsky and Bolshoi, he lives in Naples, so like right across here. (laughs) And actually my mom has one of these pictures here of me, but he was never a dancer. And he's 70-something years old. And for me, it was so fascinating. How can you take pictures so accurate? Like I jumped and he got it. I got... So a balance of a second, and he got it. And for me, I asked him, like, why Why do you get interested in dancers? Like, what? And he said, well, actually, the music and the movement together, this is how I take pictures. So on stage, he loves taking pictures on stage more than studio work because of the music and just those high peaks in the music. He knows something is coming up, and so he takes the picture in the solid shot perfectly. So uh, th- I'm fascinated by that and how, like you were saying, two things crossover uh, with photographers. Just mentioning specifically about photographers, talking about that. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: I totally agree. And like everything you said, like the the way that like if you think about how art started, like we used to be a species that we just needed to survive and we needed to like make food. Like I think about like the museum of man exhibits that i've gone to that are literally just talking about like how we discovered fire and like ended up getting bigger brains because we like ate cooked food for the first time but like think about like how unessential art is on a biological stance to our survival i mean like now i would say that art is essential to us but when art first started like in i mean I, i don't I'm gonna say Greece and Rome, even though I know that that's not, like, probably the first incidence of art, but that's probably the first big culture boom of an artistic culture was, like, somebody just, like, woke up one day and was like, I'm gonna, instead of using this clay to, like, make an oven to cook my food, I'm gonna sacrifice it and I'm gonna use it to make a sculpture. And I think that that's just, like, such a crazy thing. And I think it really, like, is an ideal that we can almost think of now, like, I can try this and this now." And also what you were talking about with the live streams being available, like people who have never been able to go to a dance class or have been too scared to, or maybe they had were a dancer and they have like a broken history with it and they didn't want to go do it anymore. Now you can watch an Instagram live and maybe you can just do plies and tendus or you just watch, but like either way that's so much more accessible and it's so interesting to me. So kind of just to wrap it up and bring it all home. Um, we think of, wow, well, we think that you have a wonderful story of hard work, talent, and perseverance throughout your whole life. To close out the interview, can you just leave us with like a cheesy little piece of advice for your younger, more pre-professional
2: self? Oh, God. <laughs> younger, pre-professional self. Um, I was very influenced by what other people were saying of me. Uh, and I still do sometimes, you know. I, I, if I'm gonna do something, I'm just like, uh, what did, what would people think? Uh, especially being a dancer, just all the insecurities that dance brings us physically and mentally. Uh, but I think I would just tell my younger self and whoever is in that younger stage of their lives, and I would say, don't listen to what people. would say or don't just don't listen or to that those assumptions that you're saying in your head that they would say about you Um, also if you want if you like something just keep doing it because so many times I have doubt of yeah maybe some members of my family say so why don't you just don't dance or dance will dance bring your money and all this stuff so you know the typical cheesy things that someone who doesn't understand your passion very well says i would just say if you really like something just keep doing it because if you enjoy doing it just why stopping you know Um, my younger self was definitely very insecure in being different uh i was like i said in this whole conversation and both of the conversations was, yeah, I was a nerd. I, I really like studying. I really like learning. And uh, my friends sometimes just wanted to go out and, and you know, just don't, don't be, also don't be uh, pressured by other people's personalities because I'm an introverted person. And I do love being an introverted person, but sometimes I feel so, so much different than the other people. And I'm like, maybe I'm missing out on some stuff, you know? I turned 21 last year, in the, and in the U.S., of course, oh, in Venezuela, you can drink at 18, but here, uh, 21. And a lot of people are like, yeah, you should go to a bar. I'm like, you know what? I'm not really in the mood. Like, I'm not that kind of person. But I still I still felt like I was missing out in that sense, just, is just a random example, but I did get to go to a bar earlier this year with a friend, just having dinner in New York city, just waiting for a table. There was a little bar and I was like, you know, I feel it's okay. It's okay. And I'm not missing out on anything, you know? Uh, so I would tell my younger self that just don't, just don't get caught up in those assumptions that you mm-hmm. have of people, what people will say about you. Yeah. And also, uh, don't be so insecure about your personality and being different, because we don't. It's boring to be uh, the same yeah. as everyone else, right? Really? It's like you're you're your own person, mm-hmm. and yeah, just establishing your persona. Is that how you say it? your persona in this world, and uh, um, making a difference. I think is don't be don't follow what everyone else is doing if you if you don't I could try YouTube this is another example I try YouTube because everyone is doing it and I say you know what I'm just sticking to podcasts Mm because I don't I'm not like a hey guys welcome to my YouTube channel (laughs) kind of person yeah and so I don't have to be like everyone else. yeah
0: yeah I really agree with that I think that I think that one of the most important things you said there was that sometimes it's not just about not worrying about what other people think of you but not listening to the assumptions that you yourself make about what people are going to think of you, like with even just making this podcast, and I'm sure that you had experience with this too, but feeling like, oh my gosh, like what are people, like people are gonna think this when I say that I'm starting a podcast. Like what is the reasoning behind that that doesn't make any sense? So just like learning to not listen even to yourself sometimes I think is really important too. So yeah. Thank you so, so much for giving us your time. Um, Thank you to Claudia Suarez of Beyond the Core. You can find more about Claudia's podcast and published articles at beyondthecore.com. Thank you all for listening and be sure to subscribe to On the Other Foot to stay up to date on all of our latest episodes. And Claudia, again, thank you so much.
1: We hope you enjoyed this week's
0: episode of On the Other Foot We want to connect with you on days other than Tuesday, so be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at otherfoot.pod. And visit our website to learn more about how On the Other Foot started and join our mailing list. If you have any questions for me and Jane or would like to suggest a topic or guest, email us at ontheotherfoot.podcast at gmail.com.
1: And please subscribe. It makes a huge difference to us. We want to offer you all discount codes and annoy you with sponsorship ads, and we cannot do that unless you subscribe. So please do it now. And above all, thanks for listening. It really means a
0: lot to us. We hope you tune in to On the Other Foot next week for more conversation on the world of dance.